Hi, this is David Flower, senior pastor at Grantham Church, an intergenerational convergent third-way congregation with the Brethren in Christ U.S. and located in Mechanicsburg, Pennsylvania. I want to thank you for listening to our podcast and for following the sermons that I and many others preach at Grantham. This is a free podcast and it'll always be that way, but if you'd like to give and help further the work we're doing for the kingdom, we'd greatly appreciate it. If you want to do that, you can do that by going to granthamchurch.org and clicking on the giving tab. Whether you're a member of our church or you're listening as a parishioner, it's our greatest desire that you would encounter Jesus and be changed by the good news wherever you are. Anyway, God bless you, and I hope you enjoy the podcast. This past Wednesday, we entered into the season of Lent on the church calendar. If you're not familiar with the liturgical calendar, uh, Lent has nothing to do with that stuff that's in your pockets or the stuff that collects in your dryer vents at home. Instead, Lent is a 40-day period that begins on Ash Wednesday and ends on Holy Saturday, just before Easter Sunday. It's during this time that we remember Christ in the wilderness, where we journey with Jesus into a time of self-reflection, fasting, and repentance. It's an opportunity for us to intentionally examine our own hearts, to deepen our faith, and to get all of our life from Christ and following his calling on our lives. So this morning we are kicking off our Lent 2021 series called Resilient Faith. In this series we'll be exploring what it looks like to deepen our trust in Christ and grow our faith to withstand the trials, challenges, and storms of life. It's a series that I hope will encourage you during the ongoing pandemic as we invite you to develop the grit, adaptability, and the resilience of our Lord Jesus Christ. What does it mean to be resilient and to develop a resilient faith? Here's the definition from Webster. Resilient is to become strong, healthy, or successful again after something bad happens. It means to be able to return to original shape after being pulled, stretched, pressed, or bent. And so we're talking about developing a resilient faith that is made through temptation and testing, through internal and external resistance, and by surviving the sabotage of the enemy. It is a faith that doesn't quit but perseveres. It doesn't blame others but takes responsibility. It doesn't get bitter but gets better. And it isn't stuck in the past but adapts and grows as the seasons of Uh, As the seasons change and as God calls us forward into his good future. And while the scriptures don't use the noun resilience or the adjective resilient to describe our faith, it does use similar words and phrases that get at the same idea when it describes the tested faith, the purging of faith, of being hard-pressed on every side but not crushed as Paul would say, and it speaks of pressing on, of running the race, of persevering, enduring, and having a faith that is proved genuine. So what makes one resilient? Well, it only comes one way, through experiencing resistance. It comes through stress, through change, through challenge, through trial, and yes, even through suffering. And it comes through allowing God, you see, to use those things to shape you, to shape your character, and to deepen your faith. Because it doesn't, he doesn't just want us to survive in this world, but rather thrive in the grace that he gives us to overcome. 
You know, there are biblical metaphors that ought to come to mind when thinking about how God shapes us and shapes our faith through trials and hardships, like metallurgy, uh, purifying gold, forging metals with fire, for example, the hammer and the anvil, or clay in the hands of a potter, and of course, the wilderness, which is what Jesus experienced and where the Lenten season begins. You know, all three synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, record Jesus' 40 days in the Judean wilderness. But Mark's account, and Mark is uh, in the lectionary this year, Mark's account is the shortest, and there are a couple of noticeable differences. Uh, Let's take a look at Mark chapter 1, verses 9 through 13. At that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. Just as Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my Son, whom I love. With you I am well pleased. At once the Spirit sent him out into the wilderness. And he was in the wilderness forty days, being tempted by Satan. He was with the wild animals, and angels attended him. Now pay attention to the context here. Jesus has lived in obscurity for 30 years of his life, and he's just been baptized, a sign of God's anointing, his anointing. This is my son in whom I'm well pleased. It also can be his anointing as the king of Israel, the coming Messiah. And so Jesus walks into the wilderness for 40 days for several reasons. First, Jesus is embodying the story of Israel. As Israel was in the wilderness uh, out of Egypt for 40 years, this 40 days represents a generation. It represents Israel's time wandering in the wilderness, being tested uh, to, to pass that test so that they can inherit God's promises. So Jesus embodies the story of Israel, but Jesus is also being prepared for ministry. He's being challenged. He's discovering who he is in the Father, who he will be, as Jesus is also deciding what kind of Messiah he will be. Will he be obedient to the Father and listen to his voice, or be the kind of King and Messiah that everyone was wanting? And then notice in verse 13, verse 13 says, He was wrestling with the powers of darkness, with Satan and the wild animals. Some scholars believe the wild animals, while they could be the creature crawling things on the ground, this also could be a reference to demons. And so Jesus is wrestling with the powers of darkness, and Jesus knows here that this is necessary, that Jesus Jesus knows that the, the trial comes before the triumph. And look at this in verse 12. Mark tells us the Spirit sent him out into the wilderness. You know, the Greek there literally says the Spirit compelled or the Spirit drove Jesus into the desert. Now that's strong language. It's the same word that is often used when Jesus drives out demons. So the Spirit drove Jesus into the wilderness. Matthew and Luke say that Jesus was led into the wilderness, but Mark's language is stronger, clearly. Why? He says that the Spirit drove Jesus. Why would Mark say this? Don't misunderstand this. Mark doesn't mean that the Spirit acted against Jesus' own will, but rather that Jesus had surrendered to the Spirit that was now in control of Jesus' messianic mission, impelling him forward with purpose. That is key. 
Because isn't that so important? How much more difficult are our temptations and trials in our own wilderness if we believe that they are just random events? If we don't see that the Spirit is leading us, even driving us forward at times? How much more painful and seemingly hopeless it can be when we can't see the purpose of our trials? How easy it is to say, why is this happening to me? What did I do to deserve this? But notice Jesus didn't do that because he knew the reason. He knew the purpose. And I think this is here for us to model as well. You see, Jesus knew who he was in the Father's eyes as he went in to the trials and the temptations. And Jesus knew that he had a specific calling on his life. That is why he didn't come up out of the Jordan River and expect all rainbows and sunshine. He didn't naively think, I'm God's chosen, I have his favor, therefore it's all smooth sailing from here. No, Jesus came up out of the baptismal waters church seeing this very clearly. He has just been identified as the anointed one, as God's chosen servant. And listen, folks, when God sets you apart to be a leader in any way, whether that's to be the son of God, to be a pastor, to be a board member, to be a commission chair, or leading a team at your job, the attacks from the enemy will come. It comes with the territory. After all, we're in a spiritual battle. We're in a spiritual struggle between good and evil in the church and in the world. And if you step forward to lead, well, you've just made yourself a target for the enemy and all the wild animals that he employs and exploits. Therefore, Jesus willingly goes with the compelling force of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tested and prepared for his vocation. Because it's trial before triumph. For Jesus knows good things are always on the other side of our trials and our testing. If we will remember who we are, what God has called us to do, and submit to the Spirit's work in our life. You know, James, the half-brother of Jesus, put it this way. He said, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you'll be perfect and complete, needing nothing. That's from James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4. Let's look at this verse by verse. Verse 2, he says, when troubles of any kind come your way. Not if, but when. Troubles and trials, you see, are normal. Drama has a key to your house. We live in a society that wants comforts and avoids stress. We all know this. It wants to avoid stress and trials and problems. But we live in a world where human advancement and growth has always happened as a result of opposition and forces that fight against us and press us down and press down upon us. It makes me think about these astronauts who go up in the International Space Station, the ISS, and orbit around the Earth. If they are not intentional, very intentional about exercising as they are uh, above Earth's gravitational pull and the forces that work on our muscles, then their muscles will deteriorate because 
the forces that push us down upon the earth are necessary for human health and functioning. And this is a reminder that we require pressure to live as human beings. And James says, consider it an opportunity for great joy. You see, James challenges us to see trials through eternal lenses. Perspective that looks ahead to the end result, as Jesus did, not to the immediate problem. And James is asking us through this, do you see your troubles as an opportunity for joy? Verse 3, for you know that when your faith is tested, look at that, your faith, your belief in Christ, in the good news, your belief in God's character, that he, he wants what's best for you, and, his, and also his ability to bring good out of evil, your faith, when your faith is tested, you can grow. But how? The Greek word for tested is a term used in metallurgy, the impurities through this process, rise to the top. In that pressure, in that fire, in that testing, the impurities, they come out, they surface. James is saying, deal with those things and clear away, scrape away, discard of the dross that rises to the top because your endurance has a chance to grow. The NIV says the testing of your faith produces perseverance. And I always like to think of perseverance as busting through the stopping places. As our faith grows, we have more of an ability and a power and a strength to bust through the stopping places, to not be phased by what's going on around us, to rise above it with a resilient faith, just as Jesus did. You see, in this endurance, meaning you see the need, you carry the need until there is none any longer. This is characteristic of a person who is unmoved from their purpose and loyalty to faith and their piety by even the greatest trials and sufferings. And let's be clear, church, it's not the suffering itself that is good. No one likes to suffer, but it's about the good that can come from the suffering if we will get our minds right about the opportunity that it affords us to grow and to develop a resilient faith. And in verse 4, James says, so let it grow for when your endurance is fully developed. James is saying, don't quit. Don't back down. Don't back out. Don't pull out too soon and miss what can come if you'll allow the divine metallurgist to purify you and working out your salvation. He says, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. Perfect, healthy, that is whole and mature like Christ. Able to rise above it with the mind of Jesus. You know, that sounds a lot like what the Apostle Paul wrote in Romans chapter 5, verse 3 through 5. He said, we can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials. For we know that they help us to develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of character, and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation, right? That God's going to sort it all out. And this hope will not lead to disappointment, for we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with this love. You know, your pastoral staff has experienced the meaning of Paul's words in the past 12 months. We've not only done a lot of hard work in our relationships and learning how to work together as a team, but like many pastors during COVID, and I've talked to many, 
we've also been intentional in how God wants to grow each of us to be more resilient in our faith and in our leadership. One way we're doing that is by reading a book uh, together and discussing it each week. And some of you may recall me mentioning the book Canoeing the Mountains in my message on Vision Sunday 2019. Well, the author Todd Bolsinger uh, recently came out with another timely book called Tempered Resilience, How Leaders Are Formed in the Crucible of Change. Listen to these words from Todd about doing this hard but important work of growing a resilient faith. He says, fire and anvil, spirit and community are necessary, but not alone. For the master artisan uses anvil and fire with the hammer of hard blows, both crises we undergo and practices we undertake to shape, strengthen, smooth and shine us into something both beautiful and useful. Todd goes on to say, without the spirit, the hammer of life's difficulties and tests would only scar and mar us. Without the anvil, the hammer would crush us to bits. But together, fire, anvil, and hammer, spirit, community, and hardship used by the master artisan forge us into something stronger and more flexible, more useful and more beautiful than we could ever imagine. So I suppose the question is, do you trust the master artisan with your trials? Like Jesus, do you see your trials having purpose? That doesn't mean that everything happens to us because God wanted it to happen that way. We often think that way and confuse uh, God to be um, a part of evil in that sense. And God's not the author of evil and suffering. So it's not that, but it does say that we can discover how wise God is and how capable he is to bring design, order, and purpose to our mess, to bless our mess, if we will see the wilderness the way that Jesus did. Who doesn't want that? I I believe we all do. But of course, we must be willing to let God do some sifting, some purifying, some chiseling to our hearts, Maybe some pounding to our character, and yes, also the slow, gentle, careful forming of your soul as the potter does the clay on the potter's will. So will you submit to this process and look inward this Lent and through this series? Will you commit to God's way of creating a resilient faith? I hope that you'll do that, church. I hope that you'll join your pastoral staff and your church board and your leaders in, in doing that. And finally, hear the, these hopeful words from the Apostle Peter, 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 5 through 9, from the message. The day is coming when you'll have it all, life healed and whole. I know how great this makes you feel, even though you have to put up with every kind of aggravation in the meantime. Pure gold put in the fire, comes out of it proved pure. Genuine faith put through this this suffering comes out proved genuine. When Jesus wraps this all up, it's your faith, not your gold, that God will have on display as evidence of his victory. You never saw him, yet you love him. You still don't see him, yet you trust him with laughter and singing. Because you kept on believing you'll get what you're looking forward to, total salvation. Look at that, because you kept on believing.
believing. Don't stop believing. All right, some of you will think of that song. As we conclude this message, church, I want to invite you to close your eyes and listen to these words from James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4. And this time, hear them from Jesus to you. Consider it a sheer gift, friends, when tests and challenges come at all from all sides to you. You know that under pressure, your faith life is forced into the open and shows its true colors. So don't try to get out of anything prematurely. Let it do its work so you can become mature and well-developed, not deficient in any way. And now hear them again from the Lord in a different translation to us as a church family. Don't run from tests and hardships, brothers and sisters. As difficult as they are, you will ultimately find joy in them. If you embrace them, your faith will blossom under pressure and teach you true patience as you endure. And true patience brought on by endurance will equip you to complete the long journey and cross the finish line. Mature, complete, and wanting nothing. Folks, I hope that you are blessed by these words today as you are challenged to embrace the trials and the temptations and the wilderness of your life, of our life, of the life of our church. That we would go through the wilderness like Jesus and learn what the Spirit wants to teach us. Let the dross come to the top that it may be scraped away. May our, our identity in the Lord become firm. May we get a clear sense of our calling. And may we choose to faithfully obey and come out the other side stronger than ever. Would you pray with me? Lord, we need you. Every hour we need you. We thank you for your faithfulness to us in days past, for never leaving us nor forsaking us. Give us the strength to walk through the deserts of life and help us to accept the trials of the wilderness that come in the strong winds, in the forge, in the hammer, in the anvil, and in the potter's hands so that we might grow our roots down deep into you, develop resilience and grit, and overcome whatever trials that we're in and whatever trials may come. We give it all to you, and we ask that you give it purpose and power as we follow you each day and wait to see how you'll use it in our individual lives and in the life of our church for the glory of your kingdom. Amen.